Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. All right, here we are again, uh, summer summer worship, and uh, um, it's, it's a good thing to come and worship the Lord. In, the, in today's world and the things that are going on, it's a good thing to worship the Lord. It's a good thing to turn our eyes towards heaven. It's a good thing to turn our eyes towards the truth. It's a good thing to be reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a good thing to remind ourselves of the hope that we have. Uh, if you ask somebody on the street today, how, how would they uh, describe the state of the world? What, what kind of answers would you expect to receive? If you said to somebody, hey, how do you think the world's going today? How do you think things are turning out today? Uh, would it be a lot of, man, everybody's just so united? Man, we're in such a world of peace and harmony. Oh, man, everything's looking up. Everything's happening such, uh, in wonderful ways. Uh, if you find that person, I want to meet them. <laughs> Right, because really, as we as we look around, man, it, there's there is uh, there's seasons of, of our country. There's seasons in your life where you've seen some hard times, some difficult times, and there, there's there's I guess eras where things are challenging and difficult. Boy, but but if you went around, and I think you talked to a lot of people today. If you talk to anybody, maybe maybe somebody could take this assignment, the video camera, just go around and talk to people and see what they say. I think a lot of people would, would say that we're in scary times. A lot of people probably would say that we are uh, in a very chaotic times, times that are unsettled, that are lacking peace, times that are um, where evil seems to be growing, where uh, we, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, times of tribulation. You guys, is Jesus at the door? You guys, it, it, when we look around, we see that domino fall and that thing happen and, and that announcement of that war, uh, that, that uh, thing that we never thought would happen to that institution, that institution, institution fell. We saw that that thing was, uh, was overcome in spite of our best efforts. When, when everything seems to be falling apart and, and we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, could we, could we think that maybe... This is the time that Jesus is going to come back. Should we be even processing that or, or, or contemplating it? I, I, th- I think we should. Is the time of Jesus Christ, the return of the King, is it soon? Uh, what did Jesus have to say about it? Uh, we, we come to a passage today, and as we finish our Gospel of Mark, uh, many would argue it's the most difficult passage in the book because it's prophetic and there's multiple applications and multiple interpretations that are possible. But we come to this, this, this passage really asking, preparing ourselves maybe, is this the end? Uh, it's a question that's been asked a lot through the centuries, of course, and man, there's been all kinds of train wrecks in terms of this, uh, this application, this understanding. People, uh, I, I read somewhere uh, at the end of the first thousand years, uh, it was 1000 you know, AD, the, the Pope uh, gathered everybody at St. Peter, Peter's Basilica. And, and it was the end of the world, so they thought. And so people give it, giving everything away, they, they thought that they, they should not have to plant crops anymore. They didn't have to worry about paying their bills anymore. And everybody came, and it's the end of the world. And it didn't happen. So we have to be very cautious. We, even in the last 200 years, we've seen again and again and again, people predict the end of the world, that Jesus is coming back at this date and this time. We... We have to be very cautious here because it's, it is dangerous ground once we start predicting things. We are, we are kind of people that don't have a lot of great perspective on, on things. We could be in a great season in this part of the world. In another part of the world, there could be a great time of tribulation and trial that people are going through. They might think it's the end of the world. We might think, hey, we've got a long time yet. But we have to ask the question, is Jesus coming back soon? And if so, how shall we live? Please open your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark. Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verse 1. 
Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verse 1. And again, I want to thank you all for uh, persevering and going through this gospel, this, this uh, gospel of Mark with me. It's been quite a wild journey. I think we've covered most of the ground, and I pray, pray that you have been edified and you have been built up in your faith and you're walking closer with the Lord because of your attention to the Word, applying it to your life. Lord, we ask you to, to fill us with your spirit now. We ask as we open your word that you bless the reading of your word and you bless the teaching of your word. Whatever comes out of my mouth that isn't of you, let it fall to the ground and die. But whatever is of you and you want us to take away and you want us to learn, ask that you would implant it in our hearts and it would grow and we would live differently. We'd be transformed by your word and by your truth even today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Chapter 13, verse 1. As he came out of the temple, one of the disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And we've got to pause there because that's an incredible prophecy. An incredible prophecy that came true. Now, if you've been following along at the last part of the book, Jesus is marching to Jerusalem, right? He's arrived at Jerusalem. He's announced his coming passion. He's announced several times that he's going to be turned over to uh, the chief priests, the elders and scribes. They're going to they're condemn him to death. They're going to turn him over to the Gentiles. He's going to be killed. Uh, the last few days of his time in Jerusalem, he, he goes from Bethany, a few miles outside of the city, to the east of the city, goes into the city, goes into the temple courts and teaches, and, and here, he, they're, they're leaving the temple courts. They're, they're leaving this giant complex. They're going back to, to Bethany for the night. Uh, the temple complex, if, if you ever studied kind of the, the history of what, what happened there, it was a massive, massive place. When, when it says he came out of the temple, he didn't come out of the literal, you know, holy place. He's ta it's talking about the whole complex. A, a giant, giant area uh, covering maybe a fifth or a sixth of, of the modern-day Jerusalem, the city. Uh, 35 acres, 12 football fields. Uh, and, and the architecture was incredible. Not just the temple itself, but the buildings, the porticos, the porches. Uh, and the, you can read here how impressed the disciples, you know, these are people from the country. <laughs> the, the, the country boys from Galilee, they're like, wow! The temple, look how incredible these, this, these buildings are. Jesus, look, look at how wild this is. Some of the stones, right, uh, the average size of some of the stones were like 35 feet long, these white marble stones. When you came over, over from Bethany and, and Bethphage, and you came over the Mount of Olives and you saw Jerusalem, it was an incredible sight. One of the wonders of the world, because all these, these massive stones, that you know, some of these stones weighing a million or more pounds, stacked up in these buildings. And how'd they do that? Like, in the retaining wall that they had over part of the city, like, it's been fun to see, like, John Har and others put this little retaining wall up back by our, where we're going to have our new playground. You know, it's about that high. <laughs> and all the work it takes to put up a simple retaining wall. But the retaining wall in Jerusalem was 200 feet high. Just, and and it, Herod's been building this temple, rebuilding this temple for the Jews for 50 years at this point. And it wasn't done. Uh, so many resources, so many things went into the, the building of this, this temple complex. And Jesus says, hey, you see all these stones? Some were 60 feet long, you know, just tons and tons and tons. He says, these stones are all going to be toppled. Not one will be left upon another. And it came true. No one would have believed and no one would have thought it possible, but it came true. Uh, and, and so the, the disciples, are, they, they have some questions. Okay, So if you look at verse 3. And he said on the Mount of Olives, and so uh, and there's Old Testament prophecy of when the Son of Man comes back, uh, when the King comes back, he's going to come on the Mount of Olives. It's, it's, it's east of the city, it's east of the temple. You can look down and right, right at the temple, or you could at, in those days. He said on the Mount of Olives, a very, very uh, historic event, uh, opposite of the temple. Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, it's usually the three, but Andrew joins them, and they ask him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? Okay. Uh, and, and so they're, they're asking, it's kind, of, it's kind of wound tightly here. When is this going to happen, Jesus? Uh, they're, they're just blown away. 
when's the temple going to be destroyed? And when will all these things be accomplished? And there's a lot in their question that goes deeper than just merely the destruction of the temple. Uh, what they're really asking is, when is the end of the age? The Jewish people, they had a two-part understanding of history. This age and the age to come. This age and when the kingdom comes. So Jesus taught his disciples to pray, may your kingdom come, right? Father in heaven, may your kingdom come. May this age end and may the kingdom come. Okay? And, and so they, they're wanting to know when's the kingdom come. Uh, you could probably see it e easier in the Gospel of Matthew. Look at uh, Matthew 24, verse 3. Matthew 24, verse 3. The, the questions come out a little bit uh, tighter or, or they come out clearer there. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, Matthew 24, 3, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? Okay, like when's the temple complex going to be destroyed? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Okay, so it, Matthew brings it out a little bit more explicit. When are you coming? Okay, uh, you've told us you're going to die. You've told us you're going to ascend to heaven. You, you told us that, uh, you know, there's, there's going to be a resurrection. Okay, so when are you coming? When, when are you setting up your kingdom? So they equate the end of the temple with a new era. They equate the end of worship as they knew it at the temple with something new, a new age. When is it going to happen? When is it going to take place? So back to the Gospel of Mark, uh, verse 5. Mark 13, verse 5. So, so he goes in here to a long explanation. Uh, and Jesus, chapter 13, verse 5 of Mark, And Jesus began to say to them, See, that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he. They will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. So stop there. If you just read this, uh, Jesus seems to be answering the second part of their question. When will the end come? He's not talking necessarily about the temple and its destruction yet. He's talking about the, the end. When, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. He's talking about the end, his coming, the end of the age, the end of the year. So uh, you'll notice right away that um, uh, he says there's, there's these things that are always taking place. And really, all these things are taking place today. Nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes, famines. You know, there's been a famine in Yemen for quite a while. Uh, we're predicting all kinds of famines coming because of the uh, blockade in Ukraine. Uh, all kinds of things are going to happen soon uh, in, in the world uh, in, in terms of food sourcing and, and oil and everything like that. These are but the beginning of birth pains. Um, he says, don't be alarmed. These things have to happen. So 2,000 years ago, he was telling, telling the folks that he was sitting around him that wondered about the end, these things are going to happen. It's, it's just part of this world. What he does emphasize here uh, is, see that nobody leads you astray. Okay? His, his heart is that, man, in contentious times, in challenging times, in, in times of suffering, in times of, of world chaos, there's going to be people uh, trying to take advantage of you. There's going to be deceivers. People will come along and say, I'm the Messiah. They might not use the word Messiah. They might not use the word Christ. But they're going to say in some fashion, colloquially, something that works in our culture, I can rescue you. I can deliver you. I can, I can, I can, I can help you out. You can get out of this. Just trust me. And if you sign this contract for $19.95 a month, I will be on your side. It, maybe not that crass or maybe not that obvious. But deceivers will come. And you will be tempted to be deceived because you want to be safe. You want to be secure. Oh, how do I know that I'm going to be all right? Well, such and such teacher says that he's got the answers, his hidden knowledge or his power or his authority. Or we sign on with his party or her party or whatever. We can be safe. Uh, so many different ways that these things play out through history. He says, don't be deceived. Don't be taken in by false messiahs, false saviors, people that claim to be God or act as gods. There have been false prophets for thousands of years now, 
claiming that they speak for God. And people for thousands of years have given in to their claims. Uh, false prophets tell people what they, what they want to hear. False prophets make promises that they can't keep. False prophets um, come in the name of God and they, they deny the word of God by their teaching. But they suck people in. And, and so he starts off by saying, hey, uh, things are happening. The, these kind of things, you're going to see it through your lifetime. In this generation, you're going to see these things. And we see it in our generation. Don't be deceived. There is no other Savior other than Jesus Christ. There's no other God other than what's been revealed to us in the Scriptures. Don't fall for men and women that would eat your lunch and steal all you have for a lie. Verse 9. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. The gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when you bring you, you to trial, when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and is the father his child. The children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. So he moves on from general tribulations. He also says to the disciples that ask him that question, he says, guess what? The season ahead that you're going to endure, the things you're going to go through, uh, there's going to be a lot of persecution. There's going to be a lot of people that hate you because of me. Because you obey my word, because you proclaim my word, because you teach my truth, because you walk in my ways and not in the world's ways, you're going to be persecuted. And it happened to the disciples. Uh, when it says, they will deliver you over to councils, you'll be beaten in synagogues, you'll stand before governors and kings for my sake. Um, the, 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 the floggings, remember, remember the Apostle Paul, how many times he was flogged, how many times he was uh, beaten, all the things that he went through. Uh, it happened to him, it happened to many of the disciples in that generation. Uh, it, it's nothing to be shocked by. It's nothing to be like, wow, this, this is out of the ordinary. It's not. When we stand for Jesus Christ, when we speak a truth in a world that has its own truth or it's making up its own truth or going according to their heart instead of going according to truth, we're going to be hated. We're going to be uh, rejected. We're going to be uh, put into our place by this world. <laughs> right now, even, uh, you might, you might uh, in, in your workplace or in your family or in the circles that you run in, if you would happen to say that you believe anything is sexually immoral, uh, you, you might be hated. You might be persecuted. Uh, even in today's world, even in our country right now, certain states and certain cities, there are hate laws against certain speech. If you say that anything is sexually immoral or out of bounds or God wouldn't approve of it, you're busted. If you don't use the right pronouns with certain people, you're busted. You're fined. Uh, don't think for a minute that this is uh, out there somewhere, way in the distance. Uh, the mark of the beast, uh, could it be our, our take on, uh, if we don't agree with uh, sexual, sexual moralities that are being proposed today, could, we be, could the mark of the beast be seen something as, if you don't sign off on what the current culture says is appropriate, could you be banned from certain events? Could, be, could you be banned from certain cultural uh, settings? Could you be cut off from certain parts of society because you don't agree with certain sexual moralities that are being portrayed or put out there? It seems to be uh, we're moving in that direction awful fast. So yeah, elections matter. Uh, who you vote for matters. The things that you get involved in in our world today matter. But as, as Luke pointed out, and I'm so glad he said it, our real hope is in the gospel. Our real hope is in God. Our real hope is in Jesus Christ, the coming King. So he says, uh, be on your guard. The same thing is, is verse, verse 5. He says, hey, don't be deceived. Stay on your guard. Whatever comes, whatever happens, stay on your guard. What he means by that is stay faithful. Stay true to Jesus. Keep your eyes on Christ. Be obedient to the word. Don't be wishy-washy in terms of fitting in. Stand for Jesus Christ, whatever comes. Be on your guard. You might be arrested. 
You might be persecuted. You might suffer. Your own family might hate you. But it's an opportunity for witness. Whatever comes, Jesus says, hey, let's talk about the temple in a minute. Let's talk about that. The, the, the wild things are going to happen. But in this age, in the generations that follow up into our day, the tribulations that are ongoing, the, the hatred of Jesus Christ that's ongoing, the rejection of truth that's ongoing, if you are arrested, if you're put before councils, if you're brought into some kind of a, <laughs> a situation where uh, you have to defend yourself, speak the gospel. Speak the truth. Don't worry about what you're going to say beforehand when you get to that time. The Holy Spirit will give you what to say. It's an opportunity. It's a, it's a blessing to witness. The, the mission of the church, the mission of, of the church of Jesus Christ, the, the, the mission that God calls us to is to be ambassadors for Jesus. We make disciples so that we can glorify God. We, we, we become mature in our faith. We study the word. We, we fellowship. We, we, get, we, we, we uh, do the things that cause us to grow so that we're, as mature disciples, we are on mission with Jesus. And what an opportunity that every generation has to witness to Jesus when they are hated and when they're persecuted, when they're arrested. And uh, our country has been spared a lot of this, but boy, around the world, people, people are probably... You know, if they could hear that, they'd say, yeah, our country's been there for 50 years. My, my relatives have already been arrested. My relatives have already been put in jail. My, my relatives are already in the grave because they didn't give in to the government. And so th this is nothing new. Maybe for our country it's going to be something new, but for much of the world it's not. So these things are ongoing. It, it seems like he doesn't really give any, he gives signs that aren't really signs. They're the beginning of birth pains. Now, I know a lot about birth pains. No, I, 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 sorry, ladies, I, I don't have a clue. Just, I just watched what happened to my wife, and I don't want any part of that. But birth pains, they portend to something great coming. A joy follows the pain. So he's saying, throughout whatever generations comes, these persecutions, these sufferings, these trials, know that there's something great coming. There's an end to it that you can look forward to and rejoice over and celebrate over. So he says these are signs, but they're not definite signs. They're part of every generation, but maybe in that final generation, they'll certainly be present. But the only sign given here that, that it seems to be really solid is in verse 10. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. Uh, I was at a mission conference this week, and uh, evangelism conference, and, and uh, this, this was spoken of a lot. And the, the, one of the speakers said, man, right now we think there's about 6,000 ethne, uh, cultural, cultural, social groups, um, people groups around the world that still haven't heard the gospel. There's no gospel witness in their language. There's no gospel witness in their culture. You realize that there's still millions and millions of people in our world today that never heard the word Jesus. They have no clue who Jesus is. We think, wow, in the age of internet, wow, how could that ever be? But it's true. And so this, this seems to be, it almost seems to be a condition. I'm not sure if it's a condition, but it seems to be something that needs to happen before Jesus Christ comes back. So at the mission conference, the guy said, hey, if you want Jesus to come back, support missions to the least reached people's group. You know, get, support missionaries that are going to places where no one else would go. Support missionaries that are, are bringing the gospel to places that haven't heard about Jesus Christ yet. It seems to be until the gospel is heard in all the nations... Uh, this, uh, Jesus' return, it seems like it's maybe not imminent. So that's something we need to talk about. It seems to be a condition, but could happen at any time. We don't know. We don't know when, when, a, when a believer, someone from a people group has traveled to a city to work, and they hear the gospel, and they're taking it to that, they're, they're back to their village. Maybe that's happening on an incredible scale right now. And maybe in a very quick time, the world will hear the gospel and the end will come. We, we, we don't know all that. God knows, but uh, certainly seems to be something that has to happen first. Verse 14. When we get to verse 14, we seem to shift gears. We seem to get a little bit more intense about uh, if, if verses 5 through 13 are, are signs that aren't really signs or really indicative of a clear end. We get to verse 14 and we're, we're moving into something more serious. 
and something that certainly applied to first century, uh, the first century apostles, and it seems to have a longer, longer view of things in, in our day. So verse 14. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand. So Mark is saying, hey, uh, probably he's speaking, he's writing this book to probably to the disciples in Rome that are suffering, are going to suffer at the hands of Nero. He can't really give a whole lot of information. He can't really say it out clearly. Um, so he says, let the reader understand. Are you listening? Um, you, you, my first readers. So that's Mark. But Jesus is saying, hey, there's this abomination of desolation. When you see it, things are getting serious. Now, what's an abomination? It's something repulsive, something that's offensive to God. And a desolation is a desertion, uh, uh, an abandonment, a, uh, a leaving uh, a certain place, an abomination that causes desolation. It comes from uh, Daniel chapter 9 and I think chapter 11 and 12 in Daniel. I can't remember the other two, but certainly Daniel 9. It's an Old Testament reference uh, spoken of about the end of time, about the end of, of the Jewish world. Uh, when, when, uh, when a certain time comes, there's going to be this abomination that's brought into Jerusalem, brought into the temple, that will cause a desolation. And so prophetically... Uh, some think it's happened various times, maybe in 168 uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, maybe when he went into the Jewish temple and desecrated it. But uh, is Jesus is from his day, from, you know, here's 33 A.D. or thereabouts. He's saying, hey, this is going to come again. And he's talking to these four guys and he's saying, when you see it, watch out. Then let those, in verse, the end of verse 14, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down, nor enter his house, nor take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas for women who are pregnant, for those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that it will not happen in winter. Now in our, our, our region, when we say in winter, we think of blizzards. <laughs> we think of terrible cold. Of course, they're in Palestine. They're in, they're in Israel there. And so what, what it's talking about is floods. Maybe the rivers will be full and the, the wadis, the washes will all be full and they, they can't get away. Um, what, what's happening here? Uh, he says, if you hear about this coming into Judea and coming into Jerusalem, man, you've got to flee. When you see this thing happening, this abomination uh, that causes desolation, when you see it happening, you've got to get out. And, and you have to get out so fast that if you're on the rooftop, if you're on the flat roof working, don't go back into the house to get your stuff. Don't go back and get, get your phone. Don't go back and get your iPad. Don't go back and get your stuff. Leave. Okay, if you're working in the field and you've taken out, off your coat to work, it's at the edge of the field. When you, when you see this happening... Run! Leave! It's an immediate thing. And again, uh, perhaps it'd be helpful to look at uh, one, one of the other Gospels and how it describes some of these things, how, how they're playing out. So if you look at the Gospel of Luke, look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, verse 20. Chapter 21, verse 20. And so maybe it, it explains it a little bit more what's happening, what Jesus says is going to happen. And that this could be short-term, it could be long-term. We need to talk about that. But if you look at 21.20 of the Gospel of Luke. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart, and let not those who are out of the country enter it. And it goes on from there. So, so what Jesus is talking about... Uh, there's going to be an army that's going to come around. And he's, he's talking to the four guys primarily. First of all, he's talking to the four guys in their setting, in their culture, in their day. There's going to be this army that comes, the in, in Roman army that's going to come. And when you see that army, that, that abomination, that's something that's repulsive to the Jewish people, something that's, that's uh, just offensive even to God coming into the city and into the temple, you've got to run. Don't go back into the city. Don't stay there. Because a siege is about to be enacted. And, and what we see historically is that it did take place. 
uh, 66 to 70 AD, the Roman armies did come into Jerusalem. Um, they did set up siege works. They did uh, eventually uh, enter the city. There's quite a battle, and you can read about it in various places. Josephus writes a lot about this. A uh, Roman historian, a Jew, who wrote, wrote some history on this. It, it, was, it, was a, it was a terrible tribulation. It was, it was, things happened there that just so horrible that it turns your stomach. Cannibalism and, and you know, the, the Romans crucified so many Jew, Jews, they ran out of trees to make crosses out of. It was, it was a devastating, horrible time. And Jesus is saying, when you see this army coming uh, in your day, you got to run. Don't, 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 don't stay in the city. But back in Mark, uh, when he says, you know, Boy, it's going to be tough times if you have to run, if you're pregnant, if, you know, if, if the, the rivers are flooded, how are you going to get out, if the washes are flooded. For, verse 19, for, in those, for those days there will be such tribulation as not been from the beginning of creation that God created until now and never will be. That's quite the comprehensive statement. Never has been, never will be. And so that, that, that seems to be pretty broad and pretty wide. Is it, is it Jewish hyperbole? Is it an exaggeration or is it, is it literal? Uh, but in verse 20, and if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. So Jesus prophetically is saying, uh, God's going to have some grace here. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. As far as I know, this is one of the only places in Mark where it talks about the elect, uh, those chosen by God. Uh, he's, for the sake of the elect, he's going to put a, a limit on that tribulation that we think has happened already in the first century. But it seems that this is pointing towards something greater, something wider, uh, maybe a, a different tribulation. Based upon the hyperbole there, the, the extended statement, it'll never be again. But if, uh, and if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect, but be on guard, I have told you all things beforehand. Uh, so again, he goes back to warning. He's talking about this great time of tribulation, this abomination that causes desolation. Luke seems to think that's the armies uh, of Rome coming in, surrounding the cities. And if, he sa if anybody says to you, he's saying, man, if anybody says in the city, no, the Christ is here. We don't have to flee. We don't have to run. The Lord is here. He says, don't listen to him. Don't be deceived. I've told you beforehand what's going to happen. So when you see these things happen, and run. When they say, no, we know where the Christ is. We know where God's Messiah is. And so again, it's, he's warning the people. When the end arrives, stay faithful. Listen to what I say. Do what I say. Don't be distracted. Don't be deceived. Don't be tricked. Because you know, some of the false prophets through the centuries... When Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel are preaching to the, those people, right, to the Jewish people, there's so many false prophets that said, no, Jeremiah's wrong. God's not going to destroy Jerusalem. God's not going to send the Babylonians. God's not going to send those people. We know the truth. And so false prophets, there's always liars out there, deceivers. But Jesus says, listen to me when you see this run. And so, but the, but the question is, is raised for us, you know, is this a done deal? It seems to be all past. Or is the language suggesting that there was a near fulfillment and there will also be a long-term fulfillment? It's a great question that, that uh, Christians have wrestled with, with centuries, for centuries. Uh, I, I choose to think that there was a near-term fulfillment, that absolutely what happened in 70 AD, uh, it was horrible. It was a, it was a great tribulation. Um, Jesus' word about, certainly about what happened in the temple, it came true during that time. Uh, part of the reason why all the stones were overturned was, uh, if you, like if you came over the Mount of Olives and you look down, you're on the east and you're looking to the west to the, to the temple, there was so much gold on some of those buildings. Man, they, they decorated it so ornately with gold, but when the fire started, when the, when the soldiers set everything to fire, a lot of that gold melted down between the cracks of the stones. <laughs> So the army was motivated to throw the stones apart to get to the gold. Uh, what happened in, in 70 AD? Titus, after the temple was destroyed, after the, the city was leveled and they got all the gold and they overturned all the bricks, he, he, he set up an idol 
at the place of the former temple. And it was certainly a sacrilege. It was certainly an evil moment in God's sight. Even though God brought the Romans by his sovereign power because of the disobedience and the evil of his people during that time, the rejection of the covenant that they, they per performed during that time, it was still a, an abomination to him what happened there. But is there a future abomination? Is there something coming? Uh, look at verse 24. And one of the reasons why I think there is still um, a future uh, tribulation coming is what we read in verses 24 through 27, the Gospel of Mark. But in those days, after that tribulation, so now he's getting back to the end. The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will be falling from heaven. And the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. So Jesus here is talking about some cosmological signs, some celestial transformations that go on. The sun and the moon, sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light. Something's happening in the sky that's like, like when Jesus was uh, crucified. Uh, remember the last three hours it was darkness? And, and we, we, when we looked at that passage, we kind of interpreted that as just the, the, the wrath of God coming down on Jesus, the, the sorrow of, of God, a cosmological sign, a celestial sign that showed just the displeasure of God against what was happening, even though it was fulfilling His will. Uh, this seems to be poetically saying, man, there's going to be, uh, the, the sun's going to wither, the sun's going to go dark, the moon's going to go dark, the stars will be falling from the heaven, the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Um, stars falling, and, and isn't that amazing? Um, uh, in, in that day, the cosmology of the day was the people thought the stars represented powers, or they, they stood for certain powers, evil powers, uh, authorities in the heavens that were controlling things. In, in a polytheistic culture, they, they saw the stars as representing various gods. And so what, what uh, in their days, we try to in interpret what they would hear these things being said, they, they would probably think, man, God is casting down all the powers. God is destroying all the enemies of His will, all the enemies of His plan. Uh, in the heavens, the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Uh, this, uh, this seems, uh, the, the language comes from the Old Testament. Jesus is not uh, making any of this up. You know, He probably originally through the Spirit, as the Spirit uh, inspired the Word of God, uh, this is God's language. Jesus is quoting from the Old Testament. Um, uh, then verse, verse 26 says, they, they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. So it's speaking, when the Son of Man comes, it's like the whole, whole creation withers by the power. The whole creation bows down. The whole creation is falling apart because the, the, the king steps into his creation. Again, referencing some of the Old Testament Psalms and how the nation, how, how the creation is clapping its hands and how the nation, the creation is, is worshiping. Here, here it, it seems like the, the creation is in terror. Because the, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is bowing, is coming near. They'll see the Son of Man. So Jesus is identifying again from, from uh, Daniel chapter 7. The Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. They will see. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the earth, ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Uh, this, this, this is something that's really fascinating. If you've uh, ever studied any, any of the contemporary ideas and in, in interpretations of texts like these, some would say that they, they uh, you would call them preterist, that, that uh, some people say that all this already happened, that uh, the end times have already come, so to speak. Jesus, uh, uh, this abomination of desolation had happened in 70 A.D., and really they would say that Jesus came back in 70 A.D., uh, the idea that he came back to judge Jerusalem in a secret way, in a hidden way. That, that uh, these, these cosmological signs, they're not really describing uh, a literal coming, but they're all pointing to certain leaders or rulers that are falling down. And I just really struggle with that, and I really have a hard time with that. I just don't think it stands up to it, because every, every eye will see. And just to get a, a clear picture of that, if you look back at Matthew... Matthew 24, verse 27. Uh, just the comprehensive nature of the coming of Jesus Christ. 
Uh, it's going to be a worldwide event, uh, just as Acts 1.11 said, you know, as you see him leave physically, bodily, visibly, he's going to come back physically, bodily, you know, uh, uh, every eye is going to see. But look, look at some of the ways that it's described the coming of Jesus Christ, his second coming. For as lightning comes, verse 27, Matthew 24, verse 27, for as lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. <laughs> so uh, from the east to the west, everyone's going to see it. And, and that, that's quite a picture. Like wherever a corpse is, the vultures are going to gather. In other words, everyone's going to see it. Everyone's going to know where the corpse is by the vultures. Everyone's going to realize that, that it's happening. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give us light, stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man. <clears throat> they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Uh, it's going to be a worldwide event when Jesus Christ comes back. Um, and he will send out his angels with a loud, loud trumpet call. It's not going to be quiet. It's not going to be hidden. It's not going to be silent. Everyone's going to know it's Jesus Christ. They'll gather his elect from the four winds, from one hand, end of the heaven to the other. And, and Mark says the thing, same thing about the, the resurrection, about the gathering of the elect. Uh, it's an end-time event that's going to happen. And so the way that I interpret this is, yeah, there, there was a short-term uh, abomination of desolation, that was supposed to be followed by, uh, after the tribulation, by the coming of Christ. Well, Jesus Christ hasn't come yet. And so one, one interpretation is to say, well, it's just not time yet, or there's still going to be another tribulation on the way. But look at Mark chapter 13, verse 28. Let's keep rolling here. If you don't mind me going a few minutes over here, just to go through this passage. Again, it's one of the most difficult passages and one of the challenging, longest, longest discourse that, that Mark has in his gospel. It just takes a little bit of time. So if you look at verse 28, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that the summer is near. Okay, so in, in Israel, there was different kinds of trees that kept their leaves. But the fig tree was one of the few that lost its leaves in the fall. And it, it got its leaves back in the spring. And so it's saying, hey, learn a lesson from the fig tree. When the sap starts flowing in its branches, when the leaves start coming out, you know something's at hand. So also, verse 29, when you see that these things taking place, you know that he is near. Or some of your translations say, it is near. Uh, uh, textual reading, it is near, at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until these things take place. Heaven and earth will, will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So these things, what, what is he talking about? Keep, keep that in mind. He's talking about these things. This generation, it's very clear. This generation, these things will happen. But the question is, what are these things? Look, look at verse uh, 32 with me. Notice the contrast. But concerning that day or that hour, so he switched, he's saying, these things will happen in this generation, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, not the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come. In the evening, at midnight, the rooster crows, or the morning, the four watches of the night, lest he come suddenly and fall, find you asleep. What I say uh, to all, stay awake. <clears throat> seems to me that there's, there's several things happening here. That there was a short-term fulfillment of the tribulation. Uh, it also seems to me that Jesus, when he says, this generation will see it, he's talking about these things. Remember, we started off in verse thir uh, chapter 13 when he says, hey, teacher, do you see these great buildings? And he said, yeah, they're all going to fall. Tell us, when will these things be? Speaking of the end of the temple and, and the tribulation. Okay? When are all these things going to be accomplished? And so it moves through the text. So verses probably, probably 5 through, through 23 are talking about these things, the short-term tribulation, the short-term destruction of the temple. But when we move into 24 through 27, it's talking about a different subject, the coming of the Son of Man, the end of all things, the return of Jesus Christ. So 28 through 31 says, hey, it, the, when you see that these things happen, and when the sap gets in the tree, when the leaves come out, these things are near. The end, for, for his generation, for the disciples' generation, the end of the, the, the temple. But concerning that day or that hour, when Jesus comes back, um, 
We don't know. And maybe it'd be, it'd be helpful just to see uh, just another text uh, about possibly another tribulation. If you look at 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And, and I wish I had the time to expound this a little bit and, and spend some more time with this. Uh, but look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to Him, so His coming, uh, our resurrection, we ask you, brothers, not to be, or, 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 uh, or rapture, if you want to go there, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or by a spoken word, or letter seeming from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. See, there was people teaching that, man, there's this secret day of the Lord. He's already come. Uh, we've missed it, maybe. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Uh, this wasn't Titus. This seems to be somebody else who, Titus never said he was a god. Uh, this, this seems to be somebody else who's proclaiming himself to be called God. We call him the Antichrist. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and you know that he but is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is taken out of the way. And when the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Jesus didn't kill Titus. Uh, there, there's some intrigue there, there's some history there, but uh, when, when Titus showed up on the Temple Mount, he wasn't killed. So it, go, it goes on from there, but, but it seems to me that there's a second tribulation coming, an end times tribulation, when the Antichrist arises. We're still waiting for that time. But if you notice in Mark, if you notice in terms of, of what Mark is, Jesus' heart is, he, 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 says, he has Jesus saying radically and amazingly, Jesus says, uh, you asked the question about when my coming was. I don't know. The Father knows. And so it seems like the, when, when we come to this text, Jesus isn't saying he's not God. He, he's saying, he's, he isn't saying he's, he's not God. He, he doesn't, the, it's not saying that there wasn't time where there's omniscience being displayed in, in the gospel. But what it is saying is that he is a servant of Yahweh at this point. He's come as, a, as, as, a, as, as the Messiah. He's submitted to the Spirit. Uh, he's still God. He still has all the attributes of God. But as Philippians 2 says, they're, they're, they were set aside for a season. He didn't cease to be God, but now he's following the Spirit. And so if the Spirit hasn't told him, he doesn't know. He's submitted to the Holy Spirit here, who helps him with, with some of those places where he needs to be omniscient, where he sees things that he shouldn't no one else should understand. That's the Spirit working in the servant, Jesus Christ. But anyway, he's saying, I don't know. The angels don't know, only the Father knows. But here's what I want you to take away. When you see these things happening, when the world seems to be falling apart, when uh, rulers say they want to take over the world, when the economies seem to be crashing, when uh, kingdoms are rising against kingdoms, when everything seems to be just scary and evil seems to be rising, higher and higher levels, and uh, you feel threatened, and you feel like there, there's uh, no hope, be on your stay awake. Keep walking with me. Stay faithful to me. Obey me. Do what I say. He goes into analogy of a doorkeeper. Hey, if, if, a, if a homeowner leaves his house, he leaves a doorkeeper in charge. Be that doorkeeper who's always ready. You don't know what kind of, the doorkeeper doesn't know what watch of the night that, that the master's going to come home. Of the four watches, he doesn't know. He, his job is to stay awake. His job is to do his duty. His job is to be faithful to the task. And by analogy, Jesus is saying to the church, saying to these four men, but to the church, we don't know when I'm coming back. Jesus says now, as ascended Lord, <laughs> it's not a question now. He knows exactly when he's coming back, but we don't. 
the, the message for us and all these, these things about worried about the end and worry about what's coming or worry about what's going to transpire, the tribulations we're going to enter into or not enter into, it's not ours to worry about. Our call is to trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord. Our call is to be faithful and true to what He's told us to do. To keep our responsibilities, be faithful to the end. We don't have to worry about all this other stuff. When He finds us, when He comes home, will He find us faithful? Will He find us working for Him? Or will, will He find us distracted, getting involved in the world and, and just getting involved in eating and drinking and partying and, and letting the world take control of us? Or will we stay true to our Lord and be faithful to Him? He says, stay awake. Stay close to me. Stay faithful to your calling. I'll take care of the rest. Is Jesus at the door? He might be. Be ready. Be ready to go at any time. Whatever you go through in the weeks ahead, stay true to Jesus. Stay faithful to Him and you'll be okay. Please stand in His presence and, and thank you for giving me some extra time this morning. Lord, it seems like we've but scratched the surface of, of eschatology. It seems like we've but scratched the circus, surface of end times thing this morning. But thank you for letting us hear your word. And, and we ask again that you would help us to hear and obey. Make us a people that are faithful, Lord. Renew our, our faith in you. Renew our trust in you. Renew our hope in you. Even as we watch and we wonder what's going to transpire. Lord, may we be your people of praise and worship. May we be your people of truth. May we be your people of righteousness and holiness, no matter what the world says we should be or how we should act. Lord, let us be your people for your glory and for your fame. Encourage us, build us up, strengthen us, Lord. And may you be all, all honored and all glorified and all praised. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God, by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.